It's still pretty warm in New York City while I'm recording this, but a little bird named Ginger Z, who just happens to be the chief meteorologist for ABC News, told me the cold is coming soon, maybe even by Friday when this is coming out. If you're gearing up for a snowstorm where you are, try this super easy life hack for preventing windshield wipers that are frozen to your windshield. Before the storm comes, just lift your wipers up off the windshield and cover them with old socks. On today's episode, Ginger Z tells us more cool facts about snow and ice, including the difference between sleet, hail, freezing rain, and grapple, and how to measure snow's water equivalent in your backyard. We also have a visit from senior home editor Roy Berenson, who teaches Kevin Dupsick how to set up a Christmas tree, which he turns out to be really bad at. And several of the editors speed taste the Brewbox advent calendar, which contains 24 craft brews. Happy holidays, y'all. I'm Jacqueline Detweiler, and you're listening to the most useful podcast ever. So I have with us today Ginger Z, who is the chief meteorologist at ABC News and was featured in our February issue on self-sufficiency, in which she taught us how to make a weather station in your backyard. Hi, Ginger. How are you? Hi. I'm so happy to be here. This is great. (laughs) Um, I love a good weather station in a backyard. (laughs) (laughs) I know. It was really, it was a cool idea. There were all these different elements to it. I love the snowboard. Um, It was just like a plywood board with a measuring stick next to it. But you think about that. It's so easy, but you need it, right? You you can't just do it from the grass, from the ground because of the soil temperature. So it's it's a necessary evil of, of getting a good observation. And I think a lot of people don't even realize. They think they can just put a ruler anywhere. Not right. true. Yeah, that's what I always assumed. I actually, we're just now moving to the suburbs, so I am pumped because this is kind of the first winter in a very long time where I have an opportunity to, to do my own observation. When we were talking about the snowboard, you mentioned to me something called the water content of snow, which is something mm-hmm. that I had never even heard of before. And yeah. it, it makes a big difference for like, if you're going to make snowmen, if you're going to go skiing, if you're dealing with crops. Can you explain to yeah. me what that is? kind of a rule of thumb that people have known that one inch of rain is equivalent to 10 inches of snow but that's just average so no snow is actually one to ten you know very few snows are actually one to ten you can have snows that are one to 25 you can have snows that are one to five as far as what it means for your agriculture or for your garden or for whatever i think it's nice to have so that you actually know oh actually that was only you know a half inch of water that came in all that snow um, because it's not always equal. You can't just say, oh, we got a foot of snow, so that's about an inch of rain. Right. It isn't always that way. So it's a really nice, and and it's a lot of fun. I mean, if you have kids, it's fun to do, you know, you, you take the snow from the rain gauge that's fallen in there, and you melt it, and that way you can see, you know, this many inches became this many inches of rain. So, yeah, this I was going to ask you this. What do you actually do are you using mostly data from other people i mean it sounds like you play with the weather on your own in your own time too yeah i mean when we go and look at observations and because i'm at this large scale of you know talking about the entire united states um i'm looking at observation sites at most airports so there's something called an asos an automated surface observing system and all the highest tech you know best observations come and most of them are at airports around the country um, that ASOS plus radar and satellite and all the other tools. But those observations are key because each of those data points get put into the computer modeling, and that's how we end up getting a forecast. That's how we start looking, you know, beyond. So when we were in co- when I was in college, we were learning how to do it without a computer crunching the numbers. So right. Oh, that's lot, exhausting. A lot of calculus involved. Very difficult. I mean, by the time you got to Calc 3, it was like you were, you know, or the fluid dynamics of the atmosphere. It's it's a lot of science and math, but that's what I loved. 
I was like, I didn't even know there was a Calc three. Uh, that's what, yeah. that's why I work in magazines where I, I write and I talk into a microphone. <laughs> Do you have a favorite kind of weather? I know. So like, I know Jim Cantori loves thunder snow, which is an excellent, yep. excellent choice. I think. I'm also a fan of thunder snow, but I'd say my favorite to forecast is severe. So tornadoes. Uh, I love a tornado that's out in an open field that affects no one. It's one of the most beautiful, powerful scenes that nature can can put on. It's it's a show. I mean, it's it's the scariest and most awesome movie you can ever see in real life. So watching you know large trees plucked right in front of us from the ground, the power of the atmosphere to do that, and figuring out the puzzle of the atmosphere that got us to that point. That's my favorite part. So sounds strange that I say that tornadoes, but it's a qualified tornado. It's a, it's a safe tornado in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> That's very nice of you. <laughs> yes. Um, so this is a question I've always had about weather. How come it seems to always like come across from the West? Is there, you know what I'm talking yeah. about? When you look at a weather yeah. thing, it's like they're always like, and then it's moving this way. Like, why is that? Yeah, that's the jet stream forcing the weather. That's the Coriolis effect, we call it. So it's the rotation of the Earth, oh, mostly. Okay. Um, so it's the way that the Earth is rotating, then that kind of drives um, the displacement of heat and cold from the equator to the poles. And that's where our prevailing winds come from. Wow. Okay, well, that makes sense. We seem to be having a fairly warm uh, fall and have had a really mm-hmm. warm year so far. Do you know, I mean, obviously, you know, <laughs> why? Yeah. The position of the jet stream is everything. So it is where the jet has been placed, where it's kind of trapping. It acts like a fence for cold air, and it just really hasn't allowed that consistent dip. You know, fall is usually known for the big change, the, the high highs and the low lows, and in the between, it's very windy, and that's kind of what where our latitude is known for autumn. Um, Mm. But a lot of places, Northern Plains, uh, Great Lakes, Minnesota, for example, Minneapolis had, uh, didn't have a freeze until later in November. And that's really late for them. So this kind of speaks to my big headline always is that weather is incredibly psychological. People react, you know, to 32 degrees differently if it's been 60 mm-hmm. for a month and a half than they would if you had a slower progression. And you'll hear people say, well, we really didn't have a fall. And I think that's what they, you know, it all ends up being what you remember. And most people don't remember what last year was like right. or the year before. Right. They may remember a very, very, but it, but memory and psychology play a lot into um, how people perceive weather or if their birthday is on a certain day in April and they're like, you know what, it's always cold at this time because they've had maybe two or three really cold birthdays and then that's, they put a blanket statement on. So it's fascinating. I always give my husband a hard time because he has this theory that October 1st, it always gets cold in New York City. And I said, well, that's a very nice theory. But, <laughs> but I'm a meteorologist, so. <laughs> and I went back and, and showed him, you know, um, the climate reports from 15 years back and there were only three uh, October 1st that were cool. Most of the others were actually above average. So that's so <laughs> interesting. And, it, and it's funny because it's what you tell people, too. So I, I won't name the newspaper, but there was a headline recently that said uh, 75% of the country will be below freezing. And it's like, well, that's that's normal for this time of year. Right, <laughs> like, right. That's really not abnormal. It's really... Um, so it's, it's kind of how people get the information as well, and that drives how they're going to feel right, about it. Right. Is this relate? I mean, this sounds like it would be something that would be related to climate change deniers mm-hmm. and people like that. Um, yeah. Is that is that your idea of it? I think so. I think scientifically, um, your job is to be skeptical. That is your first job is right. to be to make sure that you're getting the right data, the right information. I think that there are a lot of issues with some some of the ways that. 
um, climate change studies are presented. And I think that, you know, you can easily glom onto something that says, see, see there, that doesn't work Mm -hmm. Um, on both sides. Because recently, even with the the cooler weather, you'll have these snaps of cold and people say, see, it's that can't be global warming. That's the the words global warming are very difficult. That was a bad name (laughs) because Mm -hmm. it only includes warming. Um, So change or extremes making extremes larger. That's really what it should have been the focus. And I think we've got a rebranding is important. Um, At the same time, you know, scientifically, I have problems with a lot of the studies. I don't, I don't believe every single thing that's out there. But that said, we have absolutely affected our climate. Anyone that could say you did not change a microclimate by putting, you know, miles long suburb with big, big box store parking lots and that you haven't changed the boundary layer meteorology, that you haven't changed the surface temperature. That's crazy. Of course you did. Mm -hmm. Um, As an easier question to end on, as a a less loaded question to end on, what is the, what is the difference between sleet and freezing rain? Because I do not get it. Great question. I'm so (laughs) glad you asked. Um, Yeah. So you, you can easily answer that question by just saying to yourself, Sleet has a beat. Uh, Freezing rain falls as rain, and it falls onto surfaces that are frozen, and then it flash freezes so that you get that kind of icy um, thickness where you can see it kind of growing on the trees or on the mailboxes. Sleet is a little pellet, so it's a little... um, Oh, I've seen that. It bounces. Yes, and it bounces, so it has a beat. So they form differently. They form because freezing rain is falling through a warmer atmosphere onto a colder surface, so there's an inversion of temperature that's you know, typically it's colder as you go up. Um, sleet is coming from colder to warmer. And, okay. and the other thing people don't, they sometimes think that, that I think I need to qualify for everybody is that it's not hail. Hail comes in a warm weather situation. So a thunderstorm updraft has to be around for hail. And even though it's ice, people will say, oh, my gosh, it hailed in July. It's like, well, it always hails in July just because it falls as frozen precipitation. It came from 50,000 feet in the air. Uh, uh-huh. So that's why it's cold. So hail is a, a warm weather or a thunderstorm activated um, thing where sleet is a lower level um, frozen precipitation. And then there's grapple. I feel like Ooh, people need that? to know that too. <laughs> there's right? so many. That's like a snow of, of a sort. It looks like sleet, and pe- but, but it doesn't have as much of a beat. <laughs> it oh. falls softer. I've heard of that from East Coast skiing. People complain about gravel, that that's like a thing that they don't like to ski on. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of things that go on in those elevations. Same thing with Pacific Northwest, like in the Cascades. Uh Same issues come with skiing. That's wild. There's like so many ways for the rain to to become awful. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) No, we used to, when I'm from Florida, and we, it would hail there because it it didn't snow and it certainly didn't sleet. And we would go out and collect it and put it in our freezer and play with it because we didn't really get any snow. <laughs> you didn't have anything like that. That's funny. So, uh, yeah, my first snowman was made out of hail. It's really sad. Yeah. But, uh, all right. <laughs> thank you so much uh, for all that you do and for joining us. And uh, it was wonderful to talk to you. Thank you. Thanks. Kevin, you were telling me a story about your Christmas tree. Yeah. Well, so I picked up my tree over the weekend, Roy. And this is my third year in a row where I've stayed here for Christmas. So I've went to go get a tree and the first year it fell over twice. Oh, last year, that's rough. last year it didn't look good, but it stayed up this year. It so far stayed up, but man, I just have the hardest time, uh, getting the tree using the four screws in my stand, getting it balanced and adjusted properly. And this time I've sort of 
lifted it up and repositioned it and had somebody else hold it straight and tried to tighten it multiple times. And I realized that I don't think the problem, I, well, I suspect my stand's not great, but I think the problem is that I don't really have a strategy for how to use the supports in the stand yeah. to hold the tree upright. And I was hoping you could help me. Okay. Can I, wait, can I ask one question before the, before you start? Sure. Are all tree stands the same? No, no, okay. I was just about to say that. Oh, actually. see, I interrupted. <clears throat> Maybe it is the, the stand. The, I, the, I, I, these things always turn out to be my fault, but I hope they're the <laughs> tools. Fault. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the inexpensive, uh, sheet metal stand that's, that's been in use. I don't even know how long since the forties, maybe fifties, uh, is pretty awful. But a couple of strategies aside from the obvious buying a better quality stand, <laughs> you know, and there, and there are, there are stands yeah. that, that, that set up at a fraction of the time. Do you have like a favorite kind? If you go online and look at Christmas tree stands, you'll see like half a dozen of these mm -hmm. things. They even have this, I don't know, hundred plus dollar thing that with foot pedals, you, pl you plop the tree <laughs> in it, it clamps the, the base of the tree, and then it has like a, I don't know, a ratchet mechanism foot pedal, and you just push on the foot pedal, loosen the tree, tip it where you need to go, move 90 degrees, tip the other. Sounds like that's what you that need. That sounds that's like what, what you I need. Want. Yeah, yeah, no, it's pretty. It's like the automatic Christmas tree. Yeah, leveler. Like leveler, something. yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a pretty good way to look at it. Um, so clearly you're not the first person to have this problem. That must make you feel good. It does make me feel good, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it's an age-old problem. If you have a kind of a flimsy stand, I mean, there's stuff you can do. You can put like a little hollow wall fastener discreetly in the wall, put a piece of wire, you know, on the I tray. actually thought about doing that. Yeah, I yeah, was trying to think yeah. of what I would anchor it to. Because I didn't, I didn't think about putting something in the wall. I was just trying to think like, can I put it someplace well, where I could just subtly tie it to something nearby? Yeah, you could even drive a tiny little finish nail into a stud or something, and then just take anything, monofilament, fishing line, a piece of string, a piece of wire, bend the nail slightly so that it's got a just enough bend to catch that mm -hmm. string, you know. But definitely do it far enough in the back and high enough that, like, your dog doesn't clothesline himself or, yeah, like, yeah, your yeah, friend doesn't I know, doesn't I know I'd by. be embarrassed if anybody <laughs> saw that, that I'd, like, tie a guy wire to my Christmas tree. <laughs> like, like, guy wires are, are not unheard of, you know. I mean, I've seen Christmas trees fall over and from the dog. You know, the dog gets in there, the dog's tail hits the tree yeah. or something. It's not, uh, certainly it's not an unheard of problem. It's a common problem. Uh, a better better stand solve the problem. Um, I mean, there's other stuff you can rig up if, if you wanted to just do away with the stand entirely. I don't know whether it's really an improvement. You know, years ago, people used to just make a, a cross shape, uh, you know, take two pieces of lumber. Mm -hmm. You know, and then just, you know, screw that together, screw through the bottom of that thing, a big old lag screw or something. Right I've into seen the, that in old, but then you would, yeah. in then old you movies. Could water it, right? Wouldn't it just dry That's, out much faster? Yeah, yeah, no, it's true. I mean, well, here, okay, that. I have another question for you. Yeah. So my stand, it has just like the screws and there's no foot or anything on the bottom. Whereas I know when I was growing up, sometimes we, we had a stand for a couple of years that actually was like on the end of the screw, it had kind of like a little green foot oh, of plastic yeah, in that yeah. way instead of just drilling into the bark of the tree it would just put pressure on them do you think that's cool. better or worse uh if you made it correctly which would be kind of expensive it would be better what you want is like a v shaped thing on on three sides you know to clamp the tree in position um otherwise no you're, you're better off where the screw you know, you might say that you're turning is actually drilling itself into the into the into the trunk of the tree. If you don't make that that part right, if you have that little foot, mm 
Yeah. You know, it's almost like a, a, a half of a symbol, you know, like the musical symbols. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've seen those, and they, they fall off. They rust, you know, or, they, or you apply so much pressure, they snap off. Do you wonder how the heck they get the Rockefeller tree straight? That's a good question. I mean, I, I don't know. I've never looked at it carefully. Uh, my guess is that they've probably got some massive stand in there at the base. I mean, they've got to have a heck of a vice. I think yeah. they station a rocket at all angles. Just and they just make hold sure it? they all think it's level, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah, odious, odious duty. Wait, is that real? Like, they actually... No, that's not real. Well, I don't know. Okay, here's what I was imagining, because that <laughs> sounded crazy, but I was like, you know what? I could actually see, like, they're part of the show, but because they're standing all the way around it, like, in 360 degrees, maybe they're like... They could double as Christmas tree spotters, so we don't have to hire somebody else. I, I realize mean, that was probably a con- totally convoluted reasoning to make that work, but I was actually going to say I was going to say they stack on top of each other's shoulders like acrobats and <laughs> hold it straight. And but that's, and I they, thought that would be too obviously a lie. Yeah, um, no, I actually I, I'm googling it because uh, I, I like want to know. Uh, apparently, there are um, you there's a they use a crane with like a main lead line, so there's like a couple different cables. But then they use uh, they have anchoring cables that are secured to the tree and four anchoring points. Makes sense. So they have like guy 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 wires of, of some kind. Yeah, is I guess they correct? have like guy. Basically, oh. they, so so what? My point here is, uh, you guy wires, you're in good company. Yeah, I was gonna say if guy wires are good enough for Rockefeller Center, then they're good enough they're for you. They're good enough for, they're good enough for Kevin. Yeah. Dukes, I can tell you what. Yeah, yeah. I mean, decorate the guy wires so that. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah, that's where you hang your Christmas stockings. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Even better. I like that. Yeah. They were hung from the guy wire with care. That's true. All right, done. <laughs> with, without, without All my the problems sh- are solved. <laughs> <laughs> so this week's testing table, uh, we have a giant box. Did, did we yeah. say, did we say yet that this is an advent calendar? We did not I think say, we didn't say we that. Did not no, say no, not at all. So we've got a twenty-four pack like box of beer. It's the normal size of a twenty-four pack of bottles, except there's twenty-four specific slots with numbered doors on the front, in everyone's favorite so, Christmas tradition. And everyone's favorite Christmas tradition, except for instead of chocolate, it's beer. Yeah, which but are, is now it's really my favorite. Yeah, but this sounds amazing. Is there uh, any? Rhyme or reason? Are they all from the same place? Are they all the same kind of beer? Are they all different? These are like Goose Island, um, I think Golden Road out of Los Angeles, and so it's five different breweries making up this uh, this mixed case of beer. Okay, um, so you could make your own one of these if you, you really want. Absolutely, you could, just, you could do this yourself. Yeah, like some paper towel rolls or something, just big enough to fit a beer in it, and then you gift wrap the whole thing. And oh, that's such a good that's idea. That's actually a really good idea. Make it really it fits inside a paper towel roll? You need something. It, it's just you need a shape. You need just like a, like tubes. like Poster just, tubes. Yeah, poster Post, tubes. Poster just tubes. Like yeah. some cheap tubes. Yep. Like you, you and your friend can exchange them. You know? That is a brilliant idea. Oh, man. That is such a brilliant idea. Mm-hmm. That's great. So, okay, so our plan for this today is to speed taste it because we're not going to wait until Christmas. So um, I think what, what were the rules we made up? Uh, <laughs> I, I was saying uh, just take a quick sip. Uh, share a couple thoughts and give it a rating between one and five. One is something so nasty you like you only want to pour it down the drain. Okay. Uh, five is like an awesome beer that you definitely want to buy. Uh, in the middle is like, oh, that's a nice beer. I guess I don't regret paying money for it. Okay. <laughs> Even though we did not pay money. For no, this. we did not. Uh, Brewbox sent this over. That's B R W B O X. Suggested price point is sixty dollars. Reasonable for the you know the novelty. Okay, so plan is uh, taste them quick. Mm-hmm. All right. Day one is the Kona uh, Pipeline Porter. Okay. Uh, 
so I would liken this to um, a little bit of like milk chocolate character. Not sweet, but uh, compared to other porters, not a ton of roast or coffee flavor. Pretty tasty. I give it a four. I, I agree with that. I think it's pretty good. It's yeah. tasty. Not as much depth as I'd like. Yeah, but it's also not like overwhelmingly. There's like that burnt flavor that seeps in. When yeah. You get... No, no, that's too too much. What? <laughs> you went over like five words. Faster. <laughs> quick, quick, Kevin. All right. I'm you ready? Fine. Yeah, I'm ready. Number two. We have the Golden Road Point the Way IPA. I'm not doing quite the fancy tasting techniques you are, Matt. Um, you know, just give a little swirl, take a big whiff. Mm. I would <laughs> say I actually prefer it more bitter. Um, mm. Not like soapy bitter, but a little mm -hmm. more bitter than this. I'd give this a three. On to, on to day three. Wow, this is like the fastest December I've ever had. Day three already. So this is the Goose Island Honkers Ale for number three. <laughs> Rich malt profile. That's we're all drinking these out of like the same cup. So that <laughs> I actually I actually did a second separate cup for the porter. I'm gonna try and keep the ales. Oh, and the non -ales. that's a good. That's, that's a my good. that's my plan. All right. Hmm. Um. It's kind of like a brown ale-y sort of. Relatively flavorless. I don't love it. It's an English pale ale, so it's more of a malt profile. No big haps at all. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'm going to give that a 2.5. Mm -hmm. Not a big fan. Uh, Red Hook ESB, which is actually fairly similar to the Honkers Ale. This is a good back-to-back, -back, though. Uh, like, Do you guys have a preference between this and the Honkers? Oh, I like this much better than Honkers. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. What do you think? I mean, not much better, but better. I don't know. That. Yeah. I, yeah, probably a little bit. What is their neck and neck for me? This is also a, what was it, English Pale Ale? Yeah, uh, this one they call it an ESB, um, which means extra special bitter. But basically, it's going to be a little more malt forward, maybe some earthy hops. Uh, very easy drinking, though. There's a little more earthiness to it, I would say. Mm -hmm. All right, so this is uh, Wolf Among Weeds IPA from Golden Road. That's a good name. I like that name a lot. Compared to the last IPA, this has a little more funkiness. I like this. I'd probably give this a four. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Giving it a four. Yeah, guys, so we're, we're about to hit number six. Is that uh, today? That's today, right? What day is today? Today is the fifth, so we oh. actually are uh, moving into the into future. Into the future. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, sixth year is the Widmer Brothers Hefeweizen. Uh, it has a bunch of yeast on the bottom. Uh, Hefeweizen style, German style wheat beer. You want to rouse the yeast because uh, it adds some of the flavor and some of the character that the style is known for. This is insane. What did you? But wait, what, can you what describe you what you were doing to arouse the yeast? <laughs> it's just it's just okay, rouse. Those just are your words. It's already mine. it's already getting a little rude in here. Uh, so there's a few ways to do it. I was just sort of rolling it back and forth in my hand. Um, and that's how you arouse the yeast. I I just rouse them. <laughs> Ooh, it tastes like bananas. Yep, that's. Uh, um, I'm gonna give it for a half of ice in. I'll I'll give that a four. It's fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like it's very light. This is a Longboard Island Lager from Kona Brewing Company, which is in Hawaii. I think it's right, you, this, right? This is Matt. Is it? Um, it's a sort of just very basic blonde lager. Uh, it, there's, it's very, it'd be refreshing if this were July and August. In the winter, uh, this gets a two, though. Yeah, yeah, this is, I couldn't drink this in front of a fire. Yeah. I'm going to say that. No. But, I mean, do they even have fires in Hawaii? I wouldn't even. They got yeah. volcanoes. They have, they have lava. Would you drink yeah. this in front of a volcano? I think so. Yeah. 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 This is also, again, the uh, Golden Road. So wait, this one is uh, Golden Road's Get Up Off of That Brown, which is a solid name. I like their names. Okay, so this has more of the like roastiness. Yeah, it's a uh, malt-forward beer. Yeah. Um, it's not my favorite. It feels like a little, it tastes a little bit too much like I'm just drinking the grain. 
for me. Um, I'd probably give it a, a two. Ooh, I'm gonna disagree with you. I, I like I like Browns a lot. I wish I had more more depth, but I would give it a three point five. Now we're doing fractionals. I, I already gave a fractional. All right. I'm a rule breaker. What can I say? Beer drinking vigilante. <laughs> On to day nine, we have the Kona. Uh, was it Waluau wheat? Uh, as, as someone who hasn't been to Hawaii in decades, can you uh, pronounce that? Wailua wheat. All right. Whoa, that's crazy tasting. I don't even know what that tastes like. Violet? It's it tastes brewed like a flower. with uh, passion fruit. Oh, passion fruit. Mm -hmm. Okay. I said violet. I, oh, weird. It's weird, right? Yeah. Um, that is a strange-ass beer. Uh, and I would say that I like it, but uh, I could see a lot of people wouldn't. So I'll give it a four, mm -hmm. but uh, most some people would say two. Mm, yes. Very divisive beer. I'll say, uh, as the beer nerd in the room, that they do a good job of making sure that it's not cloying. Like a lot of fruit beers yeah, are just like really sweet. Yeah. This is, if you like the passion fruit flavor and you want your beer to still taste like beer, they nail that. Mm -hmm. It reminds me actually of a beet of strawberry, which is another great fruit beer that does not, it's not sweet. So this is a, what is this, a Goose Four Star Pills? Yeah, Goose Island. The, uh, they're from Chicago and the flag of Chicago has four stars on it. Oh. Mm -hmm. Who knows what the flag of Chicago is? Yeah, did you is? just know that? Or why it... do you know that? I don't know why you guys don't know Set that. Set it on the bottom? <laughs> a lot of uh, the branding also has the four stars on it, though. Hmm. What's your opinion of this one? So it's sort of a American-German uh, pilsner, which means it's hop-forward, uh, but the hops are also sort of herbal, earthy, which I would say like would pair go really well with some food. Mm. Like Thai food, Indian, anything with a lot of spice, this would be a fun beer to drink with. The it. Goose That's Four Star point. Pills and some Thai food. That'd be that sounds great, actually. Mm -hmm. I think pills can have a little bit of a skunky taste. I like this one. Mm -hmm. What is a pills? Pilsner. That's all. That's it. I mean, is that it's just like a place in Germany. A pilsen uh, in Czech Republic. Czech Republic. Mm -hmm. hmm. Okay, wait. This is what this the is the Woodman Brothers uh, Steel Brigade Porter. So back to the porter. That steel bridge. This, this porter. is only our steel bridge. Steel yeah. bridge porter. This is the second porter we've had, right? That was, it is, yeah. Okay. I mm -hmm. love me a porter. Me too, and good in winter. Mmm. This one really sticks to the roof of your mouth more than the first one we had, but I like that because I think it's a little more it's a little, it's a little more fierce. Yeah. It tastes like uh, if you get too close to the fire, you get a big whiff of it, and you're yeah. trying to cook you can chili even, in a you campfire. You can kind of smell the, you can smell like the embers when you get it close to yeah. your face. I give it a four. I like this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent I'd almost porter. go 4.5, actually. Ooh. I know. You just, I you know. saw, you're like that person on Price is Right who's like, oh, four. Four dollars and one cent. Okay, what's this? This is me? No. Yeah. Yes. Uh, the Goose 312 Urban Wheat Ale. Um, it's a pretty standard wheat beer. Um, I'm giving it a two. Yeah, I've always found this to be a very boring beer. It's so boring. Yeah, there's, there's nothing that stands out about this beer at all. This is... Uh, this is the printer paper of beer. <laughs>
Like if you're bringing this to a party or something, mm-hmm. or if you're bringing beer to a party, it's a fairly safe bet. Because it's still, if you like IPAs, you're not like, oh, goose, that's not hoppy enough. Right. But I, like people who are more mellow can do it. Okay, next up, Winter Brothers, brr, hoppy red. <laughs> that's what it's called, Wait, Jackie. Wait, uh, Winter Brothers, I thought they were doing really well with the names before. Or no, it was no, Gold, no, that's Golden, Golden Road. Road. But, they, like. but they do have the highest rated uh, beer because they're porter we liked. That's right. Uh, how many R's are in the burr? Just three. Uh, okay. Was that too long? You think? No, no, no. It's been like burr. burr. No, you get it. Burr. Burr. You have to pronounce each R, I think. So. Burr. 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 Hoppy red. It's a red ale. It's like one of the mellower ales we had, but it's like almost got like a little bit like a pucker to mm-hmm, the end of it, mm-hmm. I think. I give it like a three, but I think that's a personal bias. I'm not huge in reds. What makes a red a red? That, yeah. I was just going to ask that. It's uh, using darker colored barley. Okay. So it, like it can be red. Also, you could use a tiny amount of like black malt, like you'd use in a stout, and a little bit will make it red. I thought he was going to okay. say food coloring, and I was about to be really disappointed. But I'm mm. glad you said black malt. This is the Red Hook Winter Hook Dark Ale, which is such a good name. Winter Hook. Is it dark? It's uh. This is what they drink on Game of Thrones. <laughs> no, you don't think so. What? I just think they would. Winter Hook. That sounds like a place that. They go. It does. It does sound like yeah, winter. And it's yeah. just snowy in most of that place. Um I don't I don't even know what style this is. It's like a it's like a brown, but it's a little I it's got a little this. like bitterness well, to it. You I, said that the uh the last one, the the red, you said it might have some of the dark malt like you'd have in a porter. That's what this tastes like to me, but I don't know if that's how they do it. But it's not as rich as a porter, which is I don't know right. that I like. Mm-hmm. You're both right. Hey, <laughs> Congratulations. We'll be professionals <laughs> soon, Jackie. I know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're just using they're using some like some amber, some red, uh, some brown malts, just less of them than you have in a porter. Uh, and then they just make sure that there's less sugar left over in the beer. That gives it the thinner body, so it's not as thick. Oh. So it's like a grab bag beer. I'll give it a three point five for being cool and um, weird. But I I don't I prefer a beer that's thick. All right, this is the uh, this is your turn. It's all right. Uh, what is it? The Fire Rock Pale Ale from Kona? Yep. So. Um, it's kind of a boring pale ale. It's the uh, same problem as the <laughs> as the IPAs where it's like, pale ale be just being a lesser IPA. We still expect a, like a pretty big hop character. Like, it's well balanced in terms of like, a little bit of hop, a little bit of malt. Uh, there just isn't a ton of either. Are you a, um, are you a fan of the like extreme hoppiness, like new era You know IPAs? what I- I, I enjoy those. What I'm more a fan of is when you can make a beer with a ton of flavor that's only like 4% alcohol. Yes. So you're like a really good session? Yeah, I IPA love session beers. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This is the Kona Castaway IPA. How many yeah. more beers do we have? We have, uh, let's see here, this is 17. Not a big fan of this. I feel like, uh, like we've been saying, it's not a super hoppy IPA, so it feels a little bit anticlimactic, but it, it also seems like it has a little bit too much malt to me for the amount of... of uh, of hoppiness this has. It does feel a little unbalanced, yeah. but I kind of I kind of like it. I give it like only like a two and a half. Oh, I guess really? I'm giving in the fractionals. Ha! We're tasting currently the Red Hook IPA. The Red Hook, sorry, Long Hammer mm. IPA. I like the name Long Hammer. Yeah, it's a good one. It's clearly a <clears throat> rude reference. I also like the shape of their bottles. Yeah, they're like old. Whoa, this is crazy. How would you describe the shape of the bottles? Squat. <laughs> yeah it's kind of like a, a growler if you made it if like a growler lost like 30 pounds mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's good i give it a three 
Seems fair. Seems fair. Final six, guys. Good lord. Final six. I didn't think six. this would be as hard as it this is. This is hard. What, what am I drinking? It's the uh, Goose Island Green Line Pale Ale. Kind of tastes like toasty barley. <laughs> kind of tastes like grapefruit hops. Uh, but it's, it's pretty low-key. Um, no huge flavors jumping out at you. And what score do you give it? Uh, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't buy it. I'd give it a two. <laughs> I abstain. Yeah. No, no, thank you. It's the uh, Red Hook is Pale, is that right? Yes. Yeah, okay, Red Hook Pale, another but they, squat but bottle. They have a, it has a name? American Pale Ale. Oh, okay. Okay, so you just said a second ago, if we got handled these IPAs and we were told it was a Pale Ale, we'd be like, oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is sort of like the whatever the step down is. You call it a Blonde Ale? Yeah, so mm-hmm. if you're handed a Blonde Ale, if you're told, here's a great Blonde Ale, and mm-hmm. then given this... But it's just, it has no sharpness compared to what we expect. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, for like a blonde ale, it has a nice bright character. Though. Yeah. What, what food would we I'd have I'd give it this? a three, though. Well, the easy answer is always pizza. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, can we order a pizza? <laughs> Wait, can we order a pizza? I think <laughs> <laughs> oh, another can. A can. And another IPA. That means, what does can mean? Golden something? Golden Road. The Ride-On IPA. Um... This is a, I feel like it's a standard IPA. It um, it doesn't have a lot of smell to it. And I feel like the fragrance of a beer is something I really care about. So I'm gonna give this only a, it just, it tastes like just an IPA to me. I don't know, maybe it's cause it's not, there's not that much mal- malt to balance it out. I have no idea. I'm, I'm giving it like a three. All right. Do you like it? You love it. I like it better than some of the other IPAs we've had. Uh, say the character is a little more distinct for me. I guess I would say um, since it's, Feels kind of light and crisp. It's like a classic West Coast IPA. Um, that's how that style works. I like it. That's the Woodman Brothers Drop Top Amber. So should be orange in color, malt forward, maybe a little sweet. It is orange. Look at that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Shut up. I'm smaller than y'all. This isn't fair. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it is all the things I said. It's a little sweet. It's kind of bready and doughy. Uh, if you don't like hops at all, this is a beer for you. Not a beer for me, but uh, like that's absolutely what an amber should t- taste like. I think it's kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah, I like the yeastiness of it. I don't. I'm not a big fan. I'd actually I actually like ambers a lot when I'm I first start drinking beer. I'm not a big fan. I might give it a four, and it gets divisive toward the end. <laughs> toward the end of the advent calendar tasting. This is not an advent calendar designed to bring people together. <laughs> it would be amazing if, we, if this evolved into a fight. Yeah. All right. <laughs> this, is like, the, uh, this is your Kona Big Wave Golden Ale. I feel like they should be uh, coming up to a climax at the end here. You know, shouldn't uh, they just, but they're we'll not. One more to find out. Well, we'll Golden see. Ale, you said uh, Blonde Ale earlier, right? When I was saying what's Steppo Pale Ale, but is that basically this? That's essentially the same right. thing. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So now that we're away from. Uh, the terrain where I just want it to be really hoppy. I actually really like this. It's it's really bright. I think it has mm-hmm. really nice flavor. I'd give this a four. Oh yeah, this is my favorite Bacona beer. Yeah, it's a solid beer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good. They ended on a can. I'm impressed. Wow. It's a can of lager. Uh, like who ends on a can of lager? That's messed up. And I yeah. mean, yeah, coal in your stocking. That's what that is. <laughs> it's ending on a can of lager. At least not a Budweiser. Um, this is the Golden Road 329 Days of Sun Lager made in LA. It's a very pretty can. That's I would a have great that can. I would have this can as my desktop wallpaper. And it smells like a cardboard <laughs> it's, it smells like a cardboard fart. Um that is 
bland. Is this a prank? <laughs> is, I am not excited for Christmas anymore. I'm getting out of one. <laughs> wow. Harsh. Is that mean? No, hey, it's, it's what you taste. I don't like it. It's not good. I'm sorry, Golden Road. I really liked your names. What yeah. do you think? Uh, I'm actually a fan of it. Uh, there's a lot of like... Damn, I can yeah, never no. win. Hey, there's, there's no right or wrong. I swear. <laughs> I swear. No, no, it's... Um, if you look at uh, like classic Pilsners, you want some like interesting light crisp flavors. Um, to you, they come off at what was it? Cardboard fart? Yeah, yeah cardboard cardboard. fart. I, I get more like uh, you yeah, know like white bread, toast, popcorn, uh, along those lines, which okay. uh, is fun, crisp, very drinkable. Uh, again, it'd be a lot more enjoyable. Popcorn fart. I'll we we can compromise. Yeah, popcorn fart. Uh, popcorn fart would be better in like August, September, some hotter months. Um, but no, it's still I would call this a pretty uh, well made lager. Okay. Kevin? No, I don't like it. Kevin's <laughs> like, no. <laughs> nope. I was, try- I was trying to hear your appeals to the popcorn and stuff, mm-hmm. but no, I don't think so. Uh, so what's our opinion of the overall brew box? I, I was some good stuff in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Seems seems like a lot of fun. I would say I would advise don't drink it all at once. Give it, well, <laughs> don't, here's don't the don't thing. So that given one. that it's winter. This was pretty fun. Given that it's winter, it's too bad there's not more uh, porters in there, I think. Right. But it's probably hard because you're, you know, the brewery, you know, your average brewery's got one porter, if, yeah. if any. It is true though that if you're going to make an advent calendar box and you're going to like charge a little premium for it because it is an advent calendar box, maybe you should make it particularly holiday-y and or wintry. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Like. Yeah. Definitely. Because because you're presumably drinking one of these every day, and if it's the Pilsner day and you're sitting in front of your fire, you're just kind of like, yo, I'm trying to eat some roast duck here. Yeah. In front of my fire. I do think, though, for... I don't know what your, your apartments are like, but that's... I definitely have some friends who I have not figured out Christmas gifts for yet that would appreciate this. And they would especially appreciate that they would have to drink all 24 right away if I gave it to them on <laughs> Christmas. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I gotta go home. I don't feel well. I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> Never felt better. <laughs> So that's our show. Enjoy the weather out there. The Most Useful Podcast Ever is produced by the staff of Popular Mechanics and edited by Jesse Wright Mendoza. We'd like to thank Sarah Bentley and Andy Bowers from Panoply and Popular Mechanics Editor-in-Chief Ryan D'Agostino. Please subscribe to our show on iTunes, and while you're there, leave us a comment. We'd love to know what you think. And if you want to read more about crazy weather phenomena, check out our website, popularmechanics.com. While you're there, you can subscribe to the print and digital edition of Popular Mechanics magazine for just $13.99 a year. I'm Jacqueline Detweiler. Thanks for listening.